Good morning. I invite you to join me in singing our first song, Living Hope.
Thank you for leading us, Heather. Well, good morning and welcome here. I'm glad you're here. We're glad each other are here, I think. And we want to uh, worship the Lord this morning as we do weekly, but also we want to worship the Lord in proclaiming his death until he comes, for he is the one who gives us life. This morning, Pastor Dean is preaching on a passage that talks about hardships that we as believers endure for the sake of, for the sake of Jesus and for the sake of his gospel. And in light of the kind of living that is required of us, uh, I want to open with uh, Jesus' opening words of his Sermon on the Mount. So this is from Matthew chapter 5 at verse 2. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Would you bow with me to pray? Our Father in heaven, we rejoice in you because you have been merciful to us and you have showered your great love upon us. You've granted sight to our eyes, hearing to our ears, and hearts that are soft toward you. You've given us the gift of faith, and with that gift we lift up your name this day. Hallowed be your name above every name, because you sacrificed your Son that we might have life. The death of Jesus has purchased our pardon and put us at peace with you. And the resurrection of Jesus has removed the sting of death. And Jesus is risen, triumphant over death, and has secured for us eternal life. Father, we worship you this morning. Hear our praise. For we acknowledge that your lordship over heaven and earth, that it is above all, you are King of kings and Lord of lords, and you reign supreme. And you reign over all that you have created, and we submit ourselves to your great name. Hear, Father, also our confessions. For we have all sinned, and are by nature sinners. Yet being covered by the blood of Christ, we may confess our sins and know that you are faithful and just to forgive us our sins. And hear our petitions, Father. For we come before you with our concerns. For those who have 
physical and mental maladies, for those who march forth in your name to bring the gospel to faraway places, to those who are lost. And our desires is to be, our desires to be close to you, that we might grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. And Father, hear us now as we pray together in the way that Jesus taught us. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Would you serve us in song?
Well, let's take our bulletins and look at a few announcements and things. Um, you'll notice under church activities, uh, activities of the week, um, you'll, if you look at this, the one that says Saturday, men's prayer breakfast, uh, that has already happened, that was yesterday, so don't try and come this week. You'll be disappointed. <laughs> um, we move on uh, to other announcements here. Uh, missionaries of the Week are K&K, &K, and uh, other mission that we support is the Bunker Youth Ministry. Let's keep those in our prayers. Um, the announcement here, WBMC Youth will meet in the youth room on Wednesdays at 7.30, starting September 27. Uh, we had our first meeting with the youth uh, this last week. It was very good. And uh, we decided that a better, a day that suited us better would be Thursdays. So we're meeting on Thursdays. And that will, and this week it will be at Vic and Eileen's house. Sunday school starts today, so uh, that's another good thing happening. That includes men's Sunday school. And uh, Helen Reimer uh, has gone south to, to assist her parents. And so she is not here, and I confess I don't know exactly what's happening with the women's Sunday school. Uh, it seems I see some heads indicating that there isn't any today. <clears throat> so keep your ears open. We also have a Missions Fall Supper coming up on uh, October 17, and it will be a dine-in. You don't have to just drive by this year. You can come on in and sit down, and we can eat together. Posters and sign-up sheets will be up soon. And uh, Wendy Weeb uh, has move, uh, moved on from her role as church secretary now, so now we're looking for a church secretary again, uh, but thank you to Wendy for serving, and we wish you well as you move on to your next endeavors. Um, another thing you will notice uh, on the back side on page four is that uh, the dean's phone number and my phone number are now listed there. If you uh, if for some reason you're not getting through to the office, uh, you can certainly try calling one of us and, and get through that way. Another thing that uh, we want to announce, uh, it's not written in the bulletin, but you have an insert. We have been planning a, an Answers in Genesis conference uh, to take place in this church, we've been planning it together with the uh, Christian Faith Church and also with Pathway Church. So three of us churches are putting this on and it is a weekend of talks which uh, will help each one of us, I think, in understanding why we believe what we believe and, and the good basis we have for, for holding a biblical worldview. And so... Um, the only thing that you need to do before then is if you're going to stay for lunch with us here that day, then you'll need to register, and there's a website there where you can do it. Now, we're not all uh, tech-savvy. I get that. And so if you want to come and you want to register and you're not sure uh, how to get to such a website and if you don't have grandchildren who can help you... <laughs> then please call the church office and we will find a way to get you registered. So don't let that hold you back.
I think this is going to be a good event. Is there anything else I need to say about it, Dean? Not really? Okay. Good. We look forward to that event. <clears throat> Moving on. Church family. Persons with health needs. Uh, Dorothy Giesbrecht is again in the hospital. I think she has a broken leg again. And so uh, keep her in your prayers. Uh, Carolyn Hamm uh, is no longer in the hospital, and that's just recent. Uh, there's been some amazing healing taking place, praise the Lord. And she is currently residing with family, uh, waiting for placement in a personal care home. So uh, keep her in your prayers and praise God also for his, his healing. Hilda Hamm is also in the hospital and uh, development this week was that uh, she was in a room with somebody who was found to have COVID. So now Hilda Hamm is in isolation and uh, Henry can't even go see her and uh, they will wait until they see if she has COVID. So that's the little bit of dilemma there. And Anne Thiessen, who was in the bulletin for a number of weeks in a row, uh, has been at home for some time. So you can see her and that's Anne Thiessen who lives at Cedar. Persons in care homes, David Weeb, Mary Duick, John Suderman, A.B.A. Friesen, let's remember to pray for them. If you get a chance, give them a visit. They always appreciate it. And then birthdays this week, you can see, are there. The birthdays, today's birthdays, uh, are not there, but they are Walter Duick and Pastor Dean. So if you get a chance, wish them a happy birthday. Their birthdays are today. Then there are other community events and things that you can read up on. I'll let you read them yourselves. Uh, religious exercises in school, Boundary Trails, looking for helpers. And Pemina Valley has an event this weekend, and you can partake of some of that this afternoon. I'll invite the ushers to come up, please, and we will have our prayer and our offering. Would you please stand to pray? Father in heaven, we come before you today with humble hearts because you are God and we are not. You reign supreme and it is good for us to remember our place. Thank you, Father, for the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. And thank you for our church and all the work that you do in it and through it. <clears throat> Father, we bring before you this morning the youth of our church, and we pray, Father, that those youth, that you will impact them for your glory, and that you will use them uh, in a way that, that grows the kingdom and, and grow them into strong, uh, believing pillars in the believing community. Uh, we just rejoice that we have these youth, and we thank you for the, for the potential of young lives, and we, we ask for your guidance and your blessing. We pray that you would uh, be with us as we plan several events for the future, our Mission Supper and also the, uh, the Answers in Genesis Conference. Uh, we're looking forward to good things there, and also the, the money that will come in from the Fall Supper, we pray that it will go to places where, that it is needed. We pray that you would also provide for us uh, another church secretary. We are in need and we ask for your help. Father, we also pray for those who suffer. Dorothy Giesbrecht, Carolyn Hamm, 
We thank you for what you have done in her, her life and, and, and making her well enough not to have to be at hosp in the hospital. But Dorothy Giesbrecht and Hilda Hamm uh, and there are others who have been in the hospital recently and are still at home recovering. Father, be with these people and encourage their spirits and I pray that they would sense your nearness this morning and that you would also add your hand of uh, your healing touch to them and to their lives. And may this be a time of spiritual growth for them as they ponder your work in their lives. Thank you also for Dave Weeb, Mary Dewey, John Suderman, and Abe Friesen all waiting to come uh, for a place in Salem. Thank you for the care that you are giving them in the places that they are. Thank you, Father, also that you add years to our lives. Today we remember two of our members whose birthdays are today, Dean and Walter. Thank you for them, and we pray that you would bless them and all those who have birthdays this week. Thank you, Father, for your goodness to us. Thank you also that you have blessed us so richly and we are able to participate in giving for the good of others and for the, uh, promo for the promotion or the, of your, yes, of your name and of your kingdom. And, and we pray that you would take what we uh, are going to give to you and that you would use it for your kingdom. We pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. You may be seated.
Today's scripture reading is uh, 2 Corinthians 6, verses 3 to 13. The passage is titled, uh, Paul's Hardships. We put no stumbling block in anyone's path, so that our ministry will not be discredited. Rather, as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way. In great endurance, in trouble, in hardships and distresses, in beatings, imprisonments, and riots, in hard work, sleepless nights and hunger, in purity, understanding, patience, and kindness, in the Holy Spirit, and in sincere love, in truthful speech, and in the power of God, with weapons of righteousness in the right hand and in the left, through glory and dishonor, bad report and good report, genuine yet regarded as impostors, known yet regarded as unknown, dying and yet we live on, beaten and yet not killed, sorrowful yet always rejoicing, poor yet making many rich, have nothing and yet possessing everything, we have spoken freely to you, Corinthians, and opened wide our hearts to you. We are not withholding our affection from you, but you are withholding yours from us. As a fair exchange, I speak to you as my children, open wide your hearts also. Marie Dyer was born in 1837 on the mission field in China, where her parents were pioneer missionaries. Both her parents died when Maria was a little girl, and she went back to England to be raised by her uncle. The loss of her parents, however, did not deter her young heart from the importance of sharing the gospel. And at the age of 16, she went back to China along with her sister, there to work in an orphanage so that she could share the gospel with the people that were there. Five years later, she married Hudson Taylor, a man well known today for his life and ministry, faith and sacrifice. Hudson and Marie, Maria worked. Work was often criticized, even by other Christians. At one point, Maria wrote, as to the harsh judging of the world or the more painful misunderstandings of the Christian brethren, I generally feel that the best plan to go on with our work and leave God to vindicate our cause. Of their nine children, only four survived to, to, to adulthood. Think about that. Of their nine children, only four survived to adulthood. Five of them passed away when they were young. But she believed the cause was worthy of sacrifice. On her grave marker, these words were inscribed, for her to live was Christ, and to die was gain. If there would be one phrase that could describe her life, it would be remaining faithful in all times. Remaining faithful in all times. And we could add another phrase, remaining faithful to the end. For that's what she did in her life. 
Take your Bibles and turn with me once again to the portion of Scripture that was read for us by Ray, 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 3 through 10. Paul, as I said before, had just finished, and this is part two of the message, Paul had just finished writing about the ministry of bringing others to Christ in the preceding chapter and the importance of deciding for Christ today. It is important that you make this decision today. Since preaching the gospel is paramount and essential for eternal life, Paul then describes the struggle and the hardship that accompanied him and his companions for being faithful to preaching the gospel. This morning, we want to look at part two of the five reasons to remain faithful all times. Five reasons to remain faithful at all times. Last week, we looked at the first two points, and we want to briefly go over them. We're going to look at the second point because there's so much um, information to unpack, and we want to see how it applies to us so we can apply it to our lives. Five reasons to remain faithful in all times. Number one, last week we said the gospel is at stake, verse three. The gospel is at stake. We put no stumbling block in anyone's path so that our ministry will not be discredited. As Paul and his associates traveled proclaiming the gospel, they took special precautions to be good examples. That was so that no one could give an excuse for not accepting the gospel because they were not faithful to Christ. They wanted to be faithful in everything. Now, the second reason we are to remain faithful in all times is because, number two, we are servants of Christ. We are servants of Christ. Better yet, we're servants of the King of Kings. Verse 4 says, Rather, as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way, in great endurance. Listen to the words that he says, in great endurance, in troubles, hardships, distresses, in beatings, nine imprisonment, or imprisonments and riots, in hard work, sleepless nights, and hunger. Therefore, we are called to be obedient whenever he sends us, wherever he sends us. And as we looked last week, there were all types of trials that he and his associates had in order to spread the gospel. Now we move into today's morning's message. The third reason we are to remain faithful in all times is because, number three, we are strengthened with God's might. We are strengthened with God's might. Verses six through seven. Paul says, in purity, understanding, patience and kindness, in, holy, in the Holy Spirit and in sincere love, in truthful speech and in the power of God with weapons of righteousness in the right hand and in the left. Remember what Paul is talking in the context. If you look at the preceding ch chapter, he's speaking about sharing the gospel, giving it to the people who have not heard, maybe perhaps who have heard but have not made a decision for Christ. Paul is not randomly or arbitrarily listing the virtues here of believers. Instead, the, there are eight um, qualities are listed in couplets. 
And there's four couplets that are mentioned here, and that's what we're going to look at this morning. The first couplet is purity and understanding. Purity refers to moral purity, which comes from a transformed life. Paul writes to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 9 through 11. That was the first letter that he wrote to them. This is what he says to this church that, is, that he is writing to again. Do you not know that the wicked will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither the sexual immoral, nor the idolater, nor, nor the idolater, nor male prostitutes, nor homosexual offenders, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanderers, slanderers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And then verse 11 says this, and this is what some of you were, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of God. This is what the people were before. That's what some of them were. But Christ changed their lives and they had a new life. They had a transformed life, a life that was covered with the righteousness of Jesus Christ, but also a life that had the power of God to overcome these addictions, overcome these hardships. Under, and and some, uh, that, that was the first part with the purity, the purity. Then we looked at now at the understanding is wisdom because this first couplet is purity and understanding. Understanding is wisdom that Paul has gained from God's word concerning his suffering. We can't understand love until we experience it. That's true. We can't understand it until you experience it. We can't understand grace until we receive it from God. And we can't understand suffering until we go through it. And Paul didn't understand suffering until he went through it. And God allowed him to go through it. Why? We do not understand. But good comes out of suffering because we place our faith in God and not the things that are around us. There's some things that we can solve. There's some things that we cannot solve. And as we trust God, God gives us the grace and the mercy to go through. The second couplet is patience and kindness. Patience and kindness. Patience actually means long-suffering, means to endure pain and evil deeds without being provoked to anger. Think about that. Let me read that again. Patience means to endure pain and evil deeds without being provoked to anger. And sometimes we let things get the best of us and we become angry. If they're evil, then for sure we are angry. But Paul looks, uh, says there's patience and then there's kindness. Kindness, according to the Tyndale Bible Dictionary, says this, state of being that, a state of being that includes the attribute of a loving affection, sympathy, friendliness, patience, pleasantness, gentleness, and goodness. Kindness is a quality shown in the way a person speaks and acts. 
It is more volitional than emotional. Close quote. Let me talk a little bit then it's more volitional than emotional. Did you notice that showing acts of kindness is more volitional than emotional? In, or, in other words, displaying acts of kindness and love is a decision and a choice that a person makes and is not necessarily based on feelings. One might say, isn't that hypocritical if one doesn't feel it? If you're going to say nice things and you don't feel it, or do nice things for a person if you don't feel it? And the answer is no. Jesus tells his, his disciples in Matthew chapter 43, verse 48, a matter of fact, it's a command. You have heard it said, love your neighbors and hate your enemies. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. He causes the sun to rise on the evil and the good and sends the rain on the righteous and unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only those brothers who... Uh, Pardon me, if you greet only your brothers, what are you doing more than others? Do not even the pagans do that. Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. And we call, God calls us to be like himself. Can we do it ourselves? Exactly, we can't. That's why we need his love in us. Remember this, kindness and love are decisions, not necessarily an emotion. Kindness and love are a decision and not necessarily emotion. The decision is the train's engine and the emotion is the train's caboose. When you choose to love and show kindness to others, your feelings will eventually follow. And if your feelings have problems with following, you pray to God and he will place the love and kindness in your hearts. Now notice the third couplet, in the Holy Spirit and in sincere love. In the Holy Spirit and in sincere love. The phrase in the Holy Spirit refers to the Holy Spirit as the person who gives us strength to bear fruit and bring glory to God. And we know the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, and self-control. Matter of fact, that can't come on our own initiative. It can only come through the Holy Spirit. Without the Holy Spirit working in the believer's life, they cannot do anything that will last for eternity. Nothing that we do in ourself will last for eternity. The phrase in sincere love puts forth the kind of love that Paul and associates wanted to demonstrate to their people or to the Corinthian church. Sincere refers to genuine love, not hypocritical, hypocritical or empty words. It is sincere. Then Paul quickly moves on to the fourth couplet in verse 7. In truthful speech and in the power of God. In truthful speech and in the power of God. 
Paul proclaimed the gospel in truthful speech. He did not add or subtract from the message, but stated it to its fullness. He didn't hold back. He did not exaggerate. He told it just the way that it was supposed to be communicated. The preaching of the gospel will offend the non-believer because no one wants to hear that Jesus is the only way to eternal life and that you have to turn from your sin and you have to turn to Christ and be forgiven and come to him as you are and he will work in you. Most people think that they are good enough, that their good deeds outweigh their sin and therefore God will accept them and nothing is further from the truth. However, if the gospel is preached in truthful speech, it must be done in the power of God. It must be done in the power of God. He is the one who convicts the world of sin. You and I are only the mouthpiece, and we do the sharing. Now proclaiming the gospel comes with, super, with the spiritual warfare that is induced by the e- evil one, as we talked about last week, that brings persecutions and sufferings and distress and hardships and sleepless nights and hunger, which is so hard that if you're not in Christ and with Christ, you will want to give up and go home and you will want to quit. Quit. Then Paul says this in verse 7, the weapons of righteousness in the right hand and in the left describes the warfare that is going on in the kingdom of light and darkness. This is the warfare that is going on. And I don't think most of us, many times, we aren't even aware of the warfare. We have problems, we have trials, we run and we try to solve them ourselves and we don't even know it is Satan at work. Vernon saw a red pickup truck speed through the stop sign. This guy must be late to work, he thought to himself. He turned on his emergency lights and radioed uh, radioed that he was on a hot pursuit. The pickup pulled over and the officer approached. Meanwhile, the truck The driver, meanwhile, in the truck, the driver thought, the cop already knows, he was scared. He rested his hands on the same gun he had used just a few moments before he robbed the 24-hour market. The bag of stolen money was beside him on the seat. The officer said, good morning, sir. May I see your... He never finished the sentence. The driver shoved his gun, towards the policeman's chest and fired from just inches away. The cop was knocked flat seven feet away. A few seconds later, to the shock of the criminal, the officer stood up, pulled his his service revolver and fired twice. The first bullet went through the open window and smashed the windshield. The second tore through the door and ripped the driver's leg ripped open the driver's leg. Don't shoot, the thief screamed, throwing the gun and the bag of money in the pickup out of the window. What saved the police officer's life was dozens of layer of Kevlar, 
a super strong fabric used for bulletproof vests, only three-eighths of an inch thick. Kevlar can stop bullets cold. In Ephesians chapter 6, simple qualities like righteousness and faith can deflect the enemy and all what he throws at you. Think about that. When we aren't dressed, when we don't have righteousness in our right and left hands, Satan can come against us. That is why Paul says that he is ministering the weapons, he is ministering with the weapons of righteousness in the right hand and in the left. Unless we are dressed and equipped, we will never, on, never survive the onslaught of the evil one. We must put on the whole armor of God so that we can stand against the strategies of the evil one. We are in a battle. We are in the fight. But you don't have to be in the battle and you don't have to be in the fight. All that you have to do is step out and do nothing and Satan will leave you alone. But go out, proclaim the gospel. Go out and do what God is calling you to do, and you're going to be attacked. And that's why we need to be dressed. So, us, so we must ask ourselves, how can we apply the virtues Paul lists in verses 6 and 7 as we share the gospel with others? He lists these virtues. So how do we apply them to our lives. The first couplet, as we said already, is purity and understanding. We must ensure we live a life of moral purity, and if not, we must do something about it. If we're not living a pure life, and our eyes are going to other places and doing other things, we're in trouble wherever they may be going. Also understand, about under, also understand that righteous suffering occurs when walking in God's will. It's going to happen. If you walk in God's will, it's going to happen. Now, why would Paul list purity and understanding in the same couplet? We have to ask that. Why? Why? Because if we're not pure, our conscience will be at us. And when we suffer, we'll never know. We'll be thinking, God, is, he's disciplining me and he's after me now. And we will never have peace of mind. But when you have peace of mind because you live a morally clean life, when the suffering comes, we can see that it is coming because we are living a righteous life and Satan doesn't want us to do that. The second couplet is patience and kindness. Patience means we must endure pain and evil deeds without being provoked to anger. We must endure, and we can't do that ourselves. It is impossible. You can try all that you want. That is the test from the Lord to see if you and I are really relying on his strength. 
That's a test from the Lord to see if we are relying on the Lord for his strength. For if we become angry when the onslaughts of others come towards us, then we're not relying on him. We must show kindness and love to others if we do not, even if we don't feel like it. God did that for you and me when we were his enemies. He loved us. And we were his enemies at one time. Before we made a decision for Christ, before we were redeemed, now we have become a friend of God. How do we apply the third couplet? In, holy, in the Holy Spirit and in sincere love. In the Holy Spirit and in sin, sincere love. Why does he put that in there, in there, in the Holy Spirit? We proclaim, or we must depend upon the Holy Spirit by being obedient to him. And that's how we depend upon him. If we're not obedient, then we're not depending upon the Lord. So when he speaks to us and we don't do it, there is no dependence upon the Lord. There's only dependence when we go out and we do what he tells us to do. That will produce the fruit of sincere love for a lost world. It is done in sincere love. And the fourth couplet in verse 7, in truthful speech and in the power of God, we proclaim the gospel in a truthful speech by not adding or subtracting from the message, by telling it like it is. Don't worry if the person will reject the gospel. Don't worry if you're not quite saying it right. If you're out there and you're depending upon the Lord and you're doing what he's told you to do, God is going to do his part. He calls us to do our part and leave it to God, and God will work. And you might not even know you had an impact until one day you stand before the Lord in heaven and you see people who have come to Christ because you have been faithful and you had thought all along you were a failure. Finally, the last application is not a couplet, but the vital instructions of being equipped for the spiritual battle between the kingdom of light and the kingdom of darkness. If we are not dressed, we are in trouble. Paul says that with weapons of righteousness in the right hand and in the left, we must put on the whole armor of God. And if you read that portion of scripture, there is the whole armor that we have to put on. We can't pick A and C and maybe perhaps E, but we gotta do them all. We must put on the whole armor so that we can stand against the schemes of the evil one and we are at war, and we're at war today. May we seek to do what the, Lord of, what, the, what the Word of God instructs us to do. May we take to heart and pray these things individually and say, Lord, I need your help in this today, what's listed here in the Scripture, and God will do it for you. If you're able, I invite you to stand for our last song. We'll sing verses 1 and 2, and then uh, Pastor Dean.
We'll sing verses 1, 2, and 3. wash away our sins and nothing but the blood of Jesus and how we thank you that we have that forgiveness the moment we trust you and now we can remember as we take communion the price that you paid help us never to forget it cost you everything and now I pray father that you'd give us the strength to walk before you in a holy way doing your will according to what you have called us to do the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. <laughs>